Hello. Welcome to a Hello. Welcome to a Muggle's perspective. There's a lot of emotional heft going on this episode. Okay, you gotta have you gotta be in touch with your spooky side and your rimshot side. Is that what it's called? I thought there was another name. It's called that we steam. Chad said it's called a there steam. There we go. But yep. Jeremy wrote rimshot on the board. So uh, this mm. is the Harry Potter podcast that is ostensibly about Harry Potter and also uh, about fantasy football. I'm joined today by my co-host, my co-muggle, my fellow ant boy, Brayden. Brayden, how the heck are you? Hey, I'm good. It's Friday. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. And uh, I don't have to go to work tomorrow, so I am better than most days. Nice. That's huge. Uh, I'm yeah. also joined today by my amp girl. It's uh, Rachel, my wife, Rachel. Hi. Rachel's been on the pod before. Rachel has been um, thanked, honorable mentioned at the end of the pod before. All of the above. None of this would be possible without her. Rachel, how the heck are ya? You know, really glad it's Friday. It's Friday, Friday. I don't have to mm. go to work tomorrow. That's nice. So. so relative to the other days of the week, where would you say it stacks up in terms of not having to go to work tomorrow? I don't remember what like Brayden said. Worse than most or like <laughs> the same as most? I don't know. Okay. Well, I'll leave you. She's not really playing your stupid games, Rogi. Why don't you get to the <laughs> Harry Potter stuff? Okay. okay, Lindsay Griggs. You think on that one and you just come back to it. Okay. Um. So this... In this episode, this is a special episode. I think this is the first time that we've done this, where the whole episode is a live read of one chapter. We've done Correct. surprise live reads, like that are tag-ons. Reads. Surprise reads, live surprises. The prep for this episode was awesome. <laughs> Everyone's ears just really appreciated it. I uh, I literally just showed up. Which is not that different from what I do for most episodes, <laughs> but uh, I do have to at least read, right? So, yeah, that's true. Made it easy, easy on you, which is what we try to do here at uh, Muggles Perspective Headquarters. Yeah, I think this is the first time I just told Braden, "Hey, we are doing a live read, chapter thirty-three, and that's it. We're focusing on this one chapter." Braden, why do you think we are doing that? What are your um, assumptions? What are your biases? Well, Snape's air quotes dead, and um, according to the according to the lamestream media, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, and you know, so is Dumbledore. Dumbledore's dead, mm-hmm. um, and we are presumably the closest to the epic showdown between Harry and Voldy that we have ever been. It might finally be here, maybe. Um, I'm still kind of peeved anyways, because as I mentioned last episode, I was more interested in figuring out who the heck Snape actually is. Peeved. Yeah, it's my peeve this week. Uh, let's not use that. That's weird. Um, so I, that's a title yeah, of the episode, Jeremy. Yeah. My peeve. You might just, you might just cut that all together, Jeremy. Uh, yeah, as I mentioned, just kind of 
still a little frustrated. I hope, I really hope this is not how we leave things with Snape. And I don't want that to overshadow how exciting this could be with us, like, finally getting down to uh, the nitty-gritty, so mm-hmm. to speak, mm-hmm. of fighting Voldemort and uh, finally settling it. Um, who's going to live? Who's going to die? Sure. Um, but, yeah, I would have loved some sort of... I'm just going to be pretty disappointed if it's like, yup, and then, you know, with, like, four or five chapters to go, we just kill Snape. And you'll never really figure out why. So to that end, in terms of Snape dying, I think Rachel had a couple of questions just to be kind of the voice of the listener, the voice of the fan that she wanted to to get out there. I know that you just, you know, read the chapter this last week, but, you know, maybe you've thought about it some, your thoughts have changed, you've got a more nuanced opinion. So, Rachel, what, what do you got for us? Yeah, so the first question was, do you think Snape is really dead? And so I feel like you touched on that a little bit with like the whole air quotes thing. But I don't. You don't think he's dead? Where is he? I don't think he's really dead. I think. Uh, well, I've got. I've got a couple ideas. The first one that seems they're all going to be really good and plausible. Yeah. On par with most of my predictions, I think <laughs> that. I, to me, it seems like it could be a really easy ploy by Voldemort and Snape. Like, hey, how do we how do we um, really get him off focus? Let's pretend like I kill you. Like, they probably already know he's in the room, right? Voldemort can, like, feel his presence. Harry, I sure. mean, he's, like, hiding, right? And so he's, like, they set up this elaborate plan to make it look like he killed Snape. I don't know how they do that, you know, magic. So this is a Moriarty and Sherlock giggling on top of the roof and pushing a dummy body. All of life is Sherlock and more. It applies to everything. (laughs) It, that I will, I think I'll forever live in that show. But, um, which actually on that note, Rachel, I'm going to answer your question. (laughs) <laughs> but while we're talking about shows, we we do this a lot. So uh, I don't know if you ever listened to the pod before. I don't know if you've kind of caught yeah. on to what our vibe is. You should subscribe. Um, I've started watching The Blacklist. Either of you guys, have you watched that? Is that the James Spader? James Spader. Okay. I, we've not, worth, no. Worth, worth your time. Worth your time. Really? Yeah. Okay. It's not, it's not Sherlock, but it's... It's a it's a the closest you're going to get, I think, at least for me right now, to a like to filling that void that Sherlock. That's left. how you get your fix. Yeah. So anyways, I think it could be a ploy uh to fake Snape's death. And then whatever this Snape juice is that we extracted from Snape is actually some kind of magic concoction that weakens Harry or like gets him super drunk to the point where he can't fight. Sure. Um, and Voldemort's able to kind of take advantage of him at that point, which means Ron and Hermione will have to step in and actually be the ones to defeat Voldemort. So that's an idea. Poignant. Um, I told you I had a couple ideas and I probably do. I'm not remembering the second one. Well, you answered my second question, which was, uh, "What's he going to do with the liquid that he got off of Snape?" So, yeah, that I—that's weird. 
We're calling it Snape juice. I'd prefer if you'd ask the question and call it Snape juice. I apologize. Not liquid. Jeremy, we'll have to cut that. (laughs) Um, Let's just run it back from the top. Actually, we'll just just kind of restart. Repilot. Yeah, what does he do? Why? Can we run back through? How do we get a hold of that? How does it happen again? How do we end up with Snape juice? Let's just flip. Oh, it's just like one page away. Is it his blood? It's on 657. Like- Something more than blood was leaking from Snape. So is blood leaking from Snape? Yes. But something more than blood as well. Silvery blue, neither gas nor liquid. It gushed, a word that I love, from his mouth and his ears and his eyes. And Harry knew what it was, but did not know what to do. So it's not gas or li- like it's not liquid. It is it gelatinous. What are we talking about here? It's gelatinous, I think. I like it's that like, word. It's Snape jelly. Yeah, spreadable. Can make a PB uh, and Snape Sammy. Does it have anything to do with? Because one of the things I've been thinking about since last episode is we just watched Voldemort commit another murder. Uh huh. So is Snape now on? Like, what's the Horcrux? Right? Because wouldn't wouldn't Voldemort's soul be split again? So he's murdered more people than he's made Horcruxes. Oh, it's, it's you like don't a, make a Horcrux like every time. Choice. Yes. Yeah, so he would have had to kill Snape and then say, Horcruxium, Horcruxio, and point at a chair and turn uh, that chair into a Horcrux. I forgot about that so incantation. Our, our prevailing theory right now is that he's not just continuing to make more because his soul has been split so many times that it's like blinking red. Split like, thing. bro, you only have so many more soul splits, yeah. like maybe less than one before it, yeah. it just doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Okay. Well, never mind. No, but that's fair. And and like I said, that's, that's a prevailing theory. It could be wrong. It's a Horcrux juice. Horror juice. Or it's like what they'll need to kill one of the next Horcruxes. Yeah. Like maybe that's what they need to feed Nagini. Snape juice. Yeah. Snake juice. Snake Snape juice. juice. Snake hole lounge. It's fitting because he regained he regained strength when he was like barely alive by milking Nagini, and then you unmilk Nagini by putting the snake juice into her. Yeah, you have to demilk the snake. <laughs> yeah, it's like rehydrating a dehydrated food. It's like a space food. <laughs> I think we've got it figured out. We can move on. <laughs> so, next question. Keep it. Keep it rolling. <laughs> Final question was, um, what do you think is about to happen? Like, do you know the title of this chapter that we're about to read yet? I'm assuming by what Rogi titled this chat room, The Prince's Tale. Yes. So what do you think is going to happen with knowing, like, what the title is and just kind of where we left off with this book? Uh, The Half-Blood Prince. Nice. Good pull. It's the only prince I'm aware of. In this series, which I'm trying to like rack my head. What did, where did we leave that? Do we know who that is? Is that Snape? 
I'm not going to tell you. No, you have to this tell me. This is on you. This is on you. Dude, we've been doing this for three years. I'm going to forget details. Yeah, but this this is the chapter of a book, you know. Which, oh, stone, which stone, which was so as the sorcerer's one? Was it just the one the, the house was on? The hut on a rock? Uh, Are you Googling it? Well, I'm not going to Google it because I'll spoil it. Um, <laughs> What's a prince's tale about? Well, I'm afraid if I say who is the Half-Blood Prince, he'll be like, this is how the Deathly Hallows ends. Yeah. Mm. Um, so the Half-Blood, do you remember why the last book was called Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince? How that word got into our lexicon? <laughs> Man, it was I, in, I have dementia. It was in a book that Harry read. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And it, uh, it had stuff in it. It was a story, see? It wasn't written by the Half-Blood Prince. It was annotated by the Half-Blood Prince. Ah, yeah, because, yeah, uh, Harry had that textbook Mm -hmm. that was helping him do all the spells and Mm -hmm. everything, like, Mm -hmm. way better than all his classmates. So he got really good at what class? And Hermione was like, Harry, you shouldn't use that, it's dangerous. And he was like, no, I'm going to keep doing it. And it was the Half-Blood Prince mm-hmm. who was Snape. Because the book was to make him better at the class Magic. that Snape used to teach. <laughs> Specifically. <laughs> what did Defense Snape... Against the Dark Arts. Okay, he did teach that in the sixth book, but for the first five books he taught... Gym class. Yeah, he taught gym class. Perfect. It made Harry better at gym class. He's he needed to become more athletic. He's climbing the rope. <clears throat> Snape was the he, he taught potions. potions master. Yep. So that was a connection. It's like should have figured it out because like who's good at potions? You only know one person. It's Snape. Yeah. So Snape was the half blood prince. We just killed the half blood prince. Mm-hmm. A potion is now leaking out of him. Okay. I e Snape juice. <laughs> and he, he, we will use yeah. that potion. To Harry will drink it, uh huh, and he will turn into Snape. <laughs> that would that would be cool. I don't think that's gonna happen. <laughs> I would love if that would happen. It'd be just bizarre and a lot of fun. But uh, I think we'll drink the potion, and we will. We won't be able to defeat Voldemort without the power that comes from that. Potion. It'll That's give the easy him, answer. But. It'll give him the power of Harry Potter and a an unborn fetus. What, what does Dwight say? The oh, power yeah. of an adult man and a small child? <laughs> I don't know. It's something great like that. Um, I'm trying to think why... Hang on, I have to go to my mind palace. Red beard. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, Rachel. I don't know. That's fair. okay. It's a fair answer. All right, should we but jump I, in? I do think it's a potion. Now that you've you've helped me, you know, with the title and tying that loop together. Now that I remember uh, what class Snape taught. 
Yeah. Besides <laughs> Jim. You've helped me remember uh, anything from what I've read. Um, you, you've got to delete something. You know, you can't just memorize everything. There's not everything in the so Mind Palace. There's only so much palace. capacity here, yeah. guys. Like, this is an Apple door. Yeah. Until Neuralink becomes a thing, yeah. I can only do so much. Yeah. It's fair. So, yeah, we're going to read Chapter 33, The Prince's Tale. Um, and you are going to read part of it with us. And we'll just get to that when we get to it. How's that sound? Am I going to have to do a voice? I mean, whatever you're reading, I would hope that you would do a voice. Well, I just, can you give me a heads up? If I'm going to be Hermione, I need to go get a glass of water. <laughs> I'll do all the girl parts. Rachel will do the girl parts. All right. I also will need a glass of water if I'm Hagrid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I miss you being Hagrid. I don't. Everyone does. <laughs> a lot of people will probably just don't listen anymore once they realize you stopped doing Hagrid voice every I episode. I kind of miss, yeah, you're probably right. I kind of miss Hagrid in general because now the only times we get to see or talk to him is him like flying through a wall. Yep. In normal Hagrid fashion. Yeah. So. yeah. All right. So we're going to read chapter 33. The Prince's Tale, we are going to take at least one, if not two, kind of reaction breaks. Like, okay, what just happened? You know, give me your thoughts. So, your favorite question. So, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, that'll be be good because I'll need to go check on Sir Cooper. And the pizza. Pizza's done. Pizza's in my BLA. Yep, and so then it, okay. Oh, all right, I understand. Chapter 33, The Prince's Tale. We're on page 659, for those of you following along at home. Shout out to Mitch for letting me borrow his copy of this book. Harry remains kneeling at Snape's side, simply staring down at him, until quite suddenly a high, cold voice spoke so close to them that Harry jumped to his feet. The flask gripped tightly in his hands, thinking that Voldemort had re-entered the room. Voldemort's voice reverberated from the walls and floor, and Harry realized that he was talking to Hogwarts and to all the surrounding area, that the residents of Hogsmeade and all those still fighting in the castle would hear him as clearly as if he had stood beside them, his breath on the back of their necks, a death blow away. Do you want to take this one, Braden? You have fought! Said the high, cold voice. Valiantly! It's a weird place to break up his sentence. (laughs) Lord Voldemort knows how to value bravery. Yet you... (laughs) Yet you have sustained heavy losses. If you continue to resist me, you will all die. One by one. I do not wish this to happen. Every drop of magical blood spilled is a loss and a waste. Good lord, how long is this quote? You are giving Jim Dale a run for his money right Uh, now. Man, I'm going to be dead before Jim Dale. (laughs) Lord Voldemort is merciful. He's also German. You're killing this, (laughs) though. Merciful, I command my forces to retreat immediately. You have one hour. Dispose of your dead with dignity. Treat your injured. Oh my, is this it, the whole it. chapter? Is Voldemort talking the whole chapter? <laughs> this is what I want to do, a live read. I speak now, Harry Potter, directly to you. You have permitted your friends to die, for you rather than face me yourself. Uh, English. I shall wait for one hour in the Forbidden Forest. If, 
at the end of that hour, you have not come to me, have not given yourself up, then battle recommences. Recommences! <laughs> this time, I shall enter the fray myself, Harry Potter, and I shall find you. I shall punish every last man, woman, and child who has tried to conceal you from me. One hour! <laughs> Snaps for Braden. Let's give it up. And that wasn't even planned. I was just like, we're going to make Braden read Voldemort here. And it was amazing. You did a really good job. My voice box. Rachel, your thoughts on Braden's Voldemort? I thought it was phenomenal. I loved it. I'd listen to this entire book. 10 out of 10. Voldemort. Would listen again. I can't. I don't know. I blacked out. (laughs) Both Ron and Hermione shook their heads frantically, looking at Harry. Don't listen to him, said Ron. It'll be all right, said Hermione, wildly. Let's let's get back to the castle. If he's gone to the forest, we'll need to think of a new plan. She glanced at Snape's body, then hurried back to the tunnel entrance. Ron followed her. Harry gathered up the invisibility cloak, then looked down at Snape. He did not know what to feel, except shock at the way Snape had been killed, and the reason for which it had been done. They crawled back through the tunnel, none of them talking and Harry wondered whether Ron and Hermione could still hear Voldemort ringing in their heads as he could. You have permitted your friends to die for you rather than face me yourself. I shall wait for one hour in the Forbidden Forest. One hour! Small bundles seemed to litter the lawn at the front of the castle. It could only be an hour or so from dawn, yet it was pitch black. The three of them hurried toward the stone steps. A lone clog, the size of a small boat, lay abandoned in front of them. There was no other sign of Grop or of his attacker. The castle was unnaturally silent. There were no flashes of light now, no bangs or screams or shouts. The flagstones of the deserted entrance hall were stained with blood. Emeralds were still scattered all over the floor, along with pieces of marble and splintered wood. Part of the banisters had been blown away. Where is everyone? whispered Hermione. Ron led the way down to the great hall, starving. Harry stopped in the doorway. The house tables were gone, and the room was crowded. The survivors stood in groups, their arms around each other's necks. The injured were being treated upon the raised platform by Madame Pomfrey and a group of helpers. Ferenzi was among the injured. His flank poured blood, and he shook where he lay, unable to stand. The dead lay in a row in the middle of the hall. Harry could not see Fred's body, because his family surrounded him. George was kneeling at his head. Mrs. Weasley was lying across Fred's chest, her body shaking. Mr. Weasley stroking her hair while tears cascaded down his cheeks. Without a word to Harry, Ron and Hermione walked away. Harry saw Hermione approach Ginny, whose face was swollen and blotchy, and hug her. Ron joined Bill, Fleur, and Percy, who flung an arm around Ron's shoulders. As Ginny and Hermione moved closer to the rest of the family, Harry had a clear view of the bodies lying next to Fred, Remus and Tonks, pale and still and peaceful-looking, apparently asleep beneath the dark, enchanted ceiling. The great hall seemed to fly away, become smaller, shrink, as Harry reeled backward from the doorway. He could not draw breath. He could not bear to look at any of the other bodies to see who else had died for him. He could not bear to join the Weasleys, could not look into their eyes. When, if he had given himself up in the first place, 
Fred might never have died. He turned away and ran up the marble staircase. Lupin, Tonks, he yearned not to feel. He wished he could rip out his heart, his innards, everything that was screaming inside him. Any uh, any thoughts on Lupin and Tonks dying here, Braden? Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty frustrating. Why? That doesn't feel good. Um, we talked about this last week, actually. Yeah, we did. We talked about it last week because I was hoping they would just sit this one out, maybe offer some emotional support, some advice, uh, some wisdom from the sidelines because they have a newborn. Mm-hmm. And what have we learned from Harry's life? Orphanhood's no that, fun. It, yeah, it's just really traumatic. And um, now... I don't know. Is Harry the godfather? Mm-hmm. He is. Yeah. So Harry has a son now, a godson. And what do we know daughter. about godfathers? It's Teddy. It's a boy. Okay. Uh, what do we know about godfathers? Harry's godfather was? He was um, Gary Oldman. Mm-hmm. Who promptly Died. Died. Well, he was imprisoned for That's 13 true. years or but something like that. Yeah. Promptly after we, after Harry met him. Sure. So that's yeah. true. Harry will go to prison for 13 years. Naturally. So, yeah, I don't know. It's um, it's frustrating. It. I appreciate, I understand they didn't feel like they could just sit and watch mm. as Hogwarts burns and people try to, fight for the good of wizarding humanity. Um, But I just, I don't know. I feel for that kid now. That's terrible. It is terrible. We'll continue. The castle was completely empty. Even the ghosts seemed to have joined the mass mourning in the great hall. Harry ran without stopping, clutching the crystal flask of Snape's last thoughts and he did not slow down until he reached the stone gargoyle guarding the headmaster's office. Password? Dumbledore, said Harry without thinking, because it was he whom he yearned to see. And to his surprise, the gargoyle slid aside, revealing the staircase behind. He was like, that's, that's a fine password, we'll take it. But when Harry burst into the circular office, he found a change. The portraits that hung all around the walls were empty. Not a single headmaster or headmistress remained to see him. All, it seemed, had flitted away charging through the paintings that lined the castle so that they could have a clear view of what was going on. Harry glanced hopelessly at Dumbledore's deserted frame, which hung directly behind the headmaster's chair, then turned his back on it. The stone pensieve lay in the cabinet where it had always been. Harry heaved it onto the desk and poured Snape's memories into the wide basin with its runic markings around the edge. So they're, they're memories. Oh. Yeah. Okay, that makes more sense. He could still drink them, I guess. To escape in... Hmm? No, go ahead. I feel like that would... That would really uh, ensure a serious stomach ache. Yeah, you don't want Snape Snape's thoughts of, inside of you. Yeah, a lot of nausea going yeah. on there. Greasy. That seems like that should have been more obvious, that those were his thoughts, not um, some sort of blood potion, so... Enjoy that, listeners. (laughs) To escape into someone else's head would be a blessed relief. 
Nothing that even Snape, even freaking Severus Snape, had left him could be worse than his own thoughts. The memory swirled, silver white and strange, and without hesitating, with a feeling of reckless abandonment, as though this would assuage his torturing grief, Harry dived. Dove? Harry dived. Yeah, I was going to say. thought it was Dove. Harry Dave. Is Dove not a word? Dove. Is Dove one of those made-up words that we like? We think it's a word, we, all, a, we all say it? You're thinking dove. of a dove. That's a bird. Yeah. Okay. Onward. He fell headlong into sunlight, and his feet found warm ground. When he straightened up, he saw that he was in a nearly deserted playground. A single huge chimney dominated the distant skyline. Two girls were swinging backward and forward, and a skinny boy was watching them from behind a clump of bushes. His black hair was overlong, and his jeans were, and his, his clothes were so mismatched that it looked deliberate. Two short jeans, a shabby, overlarge coat that might have belonged to a grown man, and an odd smock-like shirt. Harry moved closer to the boy. Snape looked no more than nine or ten years old, sallow, small, stringy. There was undisguised greed in his thin face as he watched the younger of the two girls, swinging higher and higher than her sister. Lily, don't do it! shrieked the elder of the two. But the girl had let go of the swing at the very height of its arc and flown into the air, quite literally flown, launching herself skyward with a great shout of laughter. Instead of crumpling on the playground asphalt, she soared like a trapeze artist through the air, staying up far too long, landing far too lightly. Mummy told you not to. Petunia stopped her swing by dragging the heels of her sandals on the ground, making a crunching, grinding sound, then leapt up, hands on hips. Mummy said you weren't allowed. Lily! But I'm fine, said Lily, still giggling. Toonie, look at this. Watch what I can do. Petunia glanced around. The playground was deserted apart from themselves and, though the girls did not know it, Snape. Lily had picked up a fallen flower from the bush, behind which Snape lurked. Petunia advanced, evidently torn between curiosity and disapproval. Lily waited until Petunia was near enough to have a clear view, then held out her palm. The flower sat there, opening and closing its petals, like some bizarre, many-lipped oyster. Stop it! shrieked Petunia. It's not hurting you, said Lily, but she closed her hand on the blossom and threw it back on the ground. It's not right, said Petunia, but her eyes had followed the flower's flight to the ground and lingered upon it. How do you do it? She added, and there was a definite longing in her voice. Brayden? You want me to be Lily now? You can be Snape. Snape. It's obvious, isn't it? Snape could no longer contain himself, but had jumped out from behind the bushes. Petunia shrieked, Rachel, (laughs) and ran backward toward the swings. But Lily, though clearly startled, remained where she was. Snape seemed to regret his appearance. A dull flush of color mounted the sallow cheeks as he looked at Lily. What's obvious? asked Lily. Snape had an air of nervous excitement. With a glance at the distant Petunia, now hovering beside the swings, he lowered his voice and said, I know what you are. What do you mean? You're, well, you're a witch, whispered Snape. Oh, sorry, whispered. She looked affronted. That's not a very nice thing to say to somebody. She turned, nose in the air, and marched off toward her sister. No, said Snape. He was highly colored now, and Harry wondered why he did not take off the ridiculously large coat, unless it was because he did not want to reveal the smock beneath it. 
He flapped after the girls, looking ludicrously ludicrously bat-like, like his older self. The sisters considered him, united in disapproval, both holding to one of the swing poles as though it was a safe place in tag. You are, said Snape to Lily. You are a witch. I've been watching you for a while. But there's nothing wrong with that. My mum's one, and I'm a wizard. Petunia's laugh was like cold water. Wizard! She shrieked. Her courage returned now that she had recovered from the shock of his unexpected appearance. I know who you are. You're that Snape boy. They live down Spinner's End by the river, she told Lily, and it was evident from her tone that she considered the address a poor recommendation. Why have you been spying on us? Haven't been spying, lied Snape, hot and uncomfortable and dirty-haired in the bright sunlight. Wouldn't spy on you anyway, he added spitefully. You're a muggle. Though Petunia evidently did not understand the word, she could hardly mistake the tone. Lily! Come on, we're leaving, she said shrilly. Lily obeyed her sister at once, glaring at Snape as she left. He stood watching them as they marched through the playground gate, and Harry, the only one left to observe him, recognized Snape's bitter disappointment and understood that Snape had been planning this moment for a while and that it had gone all wrong. Okay, so... Snape knew Lily? Snape had the hots for Lily. Okay, what does that mean? What does that mean to you? Uh, that means that the hatred for Harry's dad started long before all the antics in school. It's a jealousy thing. Yeah. Well, like, it, not that it started that long ago, but like that amplifies that to a way higher degree. That like Snape has clearly had a crush on Lily for a very long time. Assuming that this continues throughout mm-hmm. the rest of his boyhood or whatever. Um, and so then Harry being like the product of mm-hmm. that like relationship and um, I guess it kind of not justifies but explains Snape's like natural bent towards hatred for Harry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially because he looks so much like James and not Lily. Yeah. Oh, well, he's got her eyes. Does he? I don't, is that ever mentioned? Mm. Yeah, it's mentioned. <laughs> oh, okay. Thanks for clearing that up for me, guys. So, yeah, we don't know where this is leading, but something to do with Snape having a crush on Lily, it seems. Yeah. Um... You're you're asking me like there's more to that that I'm missing. And no, I mean, not necessarily. I just that's what you that's what you've taken away from this so far. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I'm not reading any farther into it at the moment than that. But and is this like so too, totally out of left field from where you thought this chapter was going to go? Yeah the the whole starting off with Voldemort like the whole ultimatum thing. Yeah. Like, I've destroyed the castle, and now I'm going to go hide in the woods. Let me know when you're ready. It's not really what I was anticipating. It seemed like we were going to have a he battle. Heard, when he heard Voldemort's voice after, like, staring at Snape in the first three sentences or whatever, I was like, okay, here he is. We're going to do, do the battle over Snape's dead body. Mm. Mm. But Poignant. Or not. So, 
Uh, so we're at the bottom of page 665, resuming that the scene dissolved, and before Harry knew it, reformed around him. He was now in a small thicket of trees. He could see a sunlit river glittering through their trunks. The shadows cast by the trees made a basin of cool green shade. Two children sat facing each other, cross-legged on the ground. Snape had removed his coat now. His odd smock looked less peculiar in the half-light. Me? This is Snape? It's Snape. And the Ministry can punish you if you do magic outside school, you get letters. But I have done magic outside school. We're all right. We haven't gotten wands yet. They let you off when you're a kid and you can't help it. But once you're 11... He nodded, importantly. And they start training you. Then you've got to go careful. There was little silence. Lily had picked up a fallen twig and twirled it in the air. And Harry knew that she was imagining sparks trailing from it. Then she dropped the twig, leaned in toward the boy, and said, is, It is real, isn't it? It's not a joke? Petunia says you're lying to me. Petunia says there isn't a Hogwarts. It is real, isn't it? It's real for us, said Snape. Not for her. But we'll get the letter, you and me. Really? Whispered Lily. Definitely, said Snape. And even with his poorly cut hair and his odd clothes, he struck an oddly impressive figure, sprawled in front of her, brimful of confidence in his destiny. And will it really come by owl? Lily whispered. Normally, said Snape, but you're muggle-born, so someone from the school will have to come and explain to your parents. Does it make a difference, being muggle-born? Snape hesitated. His black eyes, eager in the greenish gloom, moved over the pale face, the dark red hair. No, he said. It doesn't make any difference. Good, said Lily, relaxing. It was clear that she had been worrying. You've got loads of magic, said Snape. (laughs) I saw that all the time I was watching you. His voice trailed away. She was not listening, but had stretched out over the leafy ground and was looking up at the canopy of leaves. He watched her as greedily as he had watched her in the playground. How? (laughs) How are things (laughs) at your house? Quick quick change of the sub, G. Lily asked. A little crease appeared between his eyes. Fine, he said. They're not arguing anymore? Oh yes, they're arguing, said Snape. He picked up a fistful of leaves and began tearing them apart, apparently unaware of what he was doing. But it won't be that long and I'll be gone. Doesn't your dad like magic? He doesn't like anything much, said Snape. Severus? A little smile twisted Snape's mouth when she said his name. Yeah. Tell me about the Dementors again. What do you want to know about them for? If I used magic outside school... They wouldn't give you to the Dementors for that. Dementors are people who do are for people who do really bad stuff. They guard the wizard prison. Azkaban. You're not going to end up in Azkaban. You're too... He turned red again and shredded more leaves. <laughs> then a small rustling noise behind Harry made him turn. Petunia, hiding behind a tree, had lost her footing. Tuning! Said Lily, surprised and welcome in her voice. But Snape had jumped to his feet. Hey, who's spying now? He shouted. What do you want? Oi! Oi! Petunia was breathless, alarmed at being caught. 
Harry could see her struggling for something hurtful to say. What is that you're wearing anyway? Nice, she said, pointing at Snape's chest. Your mum's blouse? Ooh, there was a loud crack. A branch over Petunia's head had fallen. Lily screamed. The branch caught Petunia on the shoulder, and she staggered away and burst into tears. Junie! But Petunia was running away. Lily rounded on Snape. Did you make that happen? No. He looked both defiant and scared. You did. She was backing away from him. You did. You hurt her. No. No, I didn't. But the lie did not convince Lily. After one last burning look, she ran from the little thicket, off after her sister, and Snape looked miserable and confused. And the scene reformed. Harry looked around. He was on platform nine and three quarters, and Snape stood beside him, slightly hunched, next to a thin, sallow-faced, sour-looking woman who greatly resembled him. Snape was staring at a family of four a short distance away. The two girls stood a little apart from their parents. Lily seemed to be pleading with her sister. Harry moved closer to listen. I'm sorry, Toonie. I'm sorry. Listen. She caught her sister's hand and held tight to it, even though Petunia tried to pull it away. Maybe once I'm there... No, listen, Toonie. Maybe once I'm there, I'll be able to go to Professor Dumbledore and persuade him to change his mind. I don't. Want to go, said Petunia, and she dragged her hand back out of her sister's grasp. You think I want to go to some stupid castle and learn to be a... a Her pale eyes roved over the platform, over the cats mewling in their owner's arms, over the owls fluttering and hootering at each other in cages, over the students, some already in their long black robes, loading trunks onto the scarlet steam engine, or else greeting one another with glad cries after a summer apart. You think I want to be a a freak? Lily's eyes filled with tears as Petunia succeeded in tugging her hand away. I'm not a freak, said Lily. That's a horrible thing to say. That's where you're going, said Petunia with relish. A special school for freaks. You and that Snape boy, weirdos. That's what you two are. It's good you're being separated from normal people. It's for our safety. Lily glanced toward her parents, who were looking down at the platform with an air of wholehearted enjoyment, drinking in the scene. Then she looked back at her sister, and her voice was low and fierce. You didn't think it was such a freak school when you wrote to the headmaster and begged him to take you. Petunia turned scarlet. Beg? I didn't beg. I saw his reply. It was very kind. You shouldn't have read, whispered Petunia. That was my private. How could you? Lily gave herself away by half glancing toward where Snape stood nearby. Petunia gasped. (gasps) That boy found it. You and that boy have been sneaking in my room. No, not my line. (laughs) No, not sneaking. Now Lily was on the defensive. Severus saw the envelope, and he couldn't believe a muggle would have contacted Hogwarts. That's all. He says it must have been wizards working undercover in the postal service who take care of... Apparently wizards poke their noses in everywhere. Said Petunia, now as pale as she had been flushed. Freak! She spat at her sister, and she flounced aggressively off to where her parents stood. So where are we at, Brayden? Any new revelations? uh, Insights? I don't know if there's any new revelations other than... I don't know, it's just continuing to add to the story of who Snape is, right? Mm -hmm. Like, he clearly comes from a poor home, with like a broken home with parents who 
either are separated or at least fighting and on their way there and kind of seems like he's comes from a more like a poverty type situation maybe um clearly has an anger problem doesn't like to be made fun of not that anyone does but kind of retaliates pretty quickly Mm -hmm. um but seems like lily harry's mom brings out the best in him um and like I was thinking from the first memory, like they are kind of growing up together. So we're setting the stage for some like real devastation and hurt for some Snape. Heartbreak. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yet, like you said, with the whole poverty thing, this is the first time that's really struck me as like, and it's partially because I work for DCS now too, but like the trauma of you know, whether it's domestic violence or arguing or whatever, like you don't think the kid hears and notices what's going on, but they do. And like that can really like affect them long term. Plus the poverty piece. Yeah. And probably in ways that like most people don't even understand. I'm sure you guys know that better than anybody. Like, I don't know, just those like formative years where you're learning and understanding what's what's right and what's normal and what's um I don't know, what love looks like in that home environment yeah. and what it what it shouldn't or what it does and doesn't and uh just kind of distorts and twists things and I don't know. You can definitely understand some of the ways Snape is not that it's justified or like it doesn't make you kind of dislike him less for some of the ways he treats Harry and the other kids, but um, you can have sympathy for someone who grew up like that. Sure. Yeah, Rachel, you end up seeing, I think, more of that, like the effect on kids. Is there anything else that you wanted to say? Um, I mean, yeah, it's the trauma of it because he's just got a lot of things going for him, just with his parents and the poverty piece. And now he's going to a school where he's at all year round and he's taking that with him. And the kids know about some of it and they'll be able to tease him because his parents are, his mom was a wizard and his dad isn't. And so that's just a... something that's already like he's wearing almost as a badge outside that everyone's going to know and be able to make fun of him for while he's there. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely already on the defensive heading to school. The scene dissolved again. Snape was hurrying around the corridor of the Hogwarts express as it clattered through the court countryside. He had already changed into his school robes, had perhaps taken the first opportunity to take off his dreadful muggle clothes. At last he stopped, outside the compartment in which a group of rowdy boys were talking. Hunched in a corner seat beside the window was Lily, her face pressed against the windowpane. Snape slid open the compartment door and sat down opposite Lily. She glanced at him and then looked back out of the window. She had been crying. I don't want to talk to you, she said in a constricted voice. Snape line. Why not? Toonie hates me because we saw the letter from Dumbledore. So what? She threw him a look of a deep dislike. So she's my sister. 
Well, she's only a... Ooh, he caught himself quickly. Lily, too busy trying to wipe her eyes without being noticed, did not hear him. But we're going, he said, unable to suppress the exhilaration in his voice. This is it. We're off to Hogwarts. She nodded, mopping her eyes, but in spite of herself, she half-smiled. You'd better be in Slytherin, said Snape, encouraged that she had brightened a little. Slytherin? One of the boys sharing the compartment, who had shown no interest at all in Lily or Snape until that point, looked around at the word, and Harry, whose attention had been focused entirely on the two beside the window, saw his father. Slight, black-haired like Snape, but with that indefinable air of having been well-cared for, even adored, that Snape so conspicuously lacked. Who wants to... Oi! Who wants to be in Slytherin? I think I'd leave, wouldn't you? James asked the boy lounging on the seats opposite him, and with a jolt, Harry realized that it was Sirius. Sirius did not smile. My whole family have been in Slytherin, he said. Blimey, said James, and I thought you seemed all right. Sirius grinned. Maybe I'll break the tradition. Where are you heading if you've got the choice? James lifted an invisible sword. Gryffindor, where dwell the brave at heart, like my dad. Snape made a small disparaging noise. James turned on him. Got a problem with that? No, said Snape, though his slight sneer said otherwise. If you'd rather be brawny than brainy. Where you going to go, hoping to go, seeing as you're neither, interjected Sirius. James roared with laughter. Lily sat up, rather flushed, and looked from James to Sirius in dislike. Come on, Severus, let's find another compartment. Ooh, James and Sirius imitated her lofty voice. James tried to trip Snape as he passed. See ya, Snivellus, a voice called as the compartment door slammed. And the scene (laughs) dissolved once more. Harry was standing right behind Snape as they faced the candlelit house tables, lined with rapt faces. Then Professor McGonagall said, Evans, Lily. She watched his, he watched, everyone watched his mother walk forward on trembling legs and sit down upon the rickety stool. Professor McGonagall dropped the sorting hat onto her head, and barely a second after it had touched the, red, the dark red hair, the hat cried, Gryffindor! Harry heard Snape let out a tiny groan. Brayden? <laughs> Tinier. Meh. Lily took off the hat handed it back to Professor McGonagall, then hurried toward the cheering Gryffindors. But as she went, she glanced back at Snape, and there was a sad little smile on her face. Harry saw Sirius move up the bench to make room for her. She took one look at him, seemed to recognize him from the train, folded her arms, and firmly turned her back on him. The roll call continued. Harry watched Lupin, Pettigrew, and his father join Lily and Sirius at the Gryffindor table. At last, when only a dozen students remained to be sorted, Professor McGonagall called Snape. Harry walked with him to the stool, watched him place the hat upon his head. Slytherin! cried the sorting hat. And Severus Snape moved off to the other side of the hall, away from Lily, to where the Slytherins were cheering him, to where Lucius Malfoy, a prefect badge gleaming upon his chest, patted Snape on the back as he sat down beside him. And the scene changed. Not a lot of reflection to do there, I don't think. It's like we knew where they got sorted. Yeah. Lily and Snape were walking across the castle courtyard, evidently arguing. Harry hurried to catch up with them, to listen in. As he reached them, he realized how much taller they both were. A few years seemed to have passed since their sorting. 
Thought we were supposed to be friends. Snape was saying. Best friends. We are, Sev, but I don't like some of the people you're hanging around with. I'm sorry, but I detest Avery and... Mulesaber? Mulesaber. Mulesaber. What do you see in him, Sev? He's creepy. Do you know that he's tried to do to Mary McDonald the other day? Lily had reached a pillar and leaned against it, looking up into the thin, sallow face. That was nothing, said Snape. It was a laugh, that's all. It was dark magic, and if you think it's funny... What about the stuff Potter and his mates get up to? Demanded Snape. His color rose again as he said it, unable, it seemed, to hold in his resentment. What's Potter got to do with anything? Said Lily. They sneak out at night. There's something weird about that Lupin. Where does he keep going? He's ill, said Lily. He says he's ill. Every month at the full moon, said Snape. I know your theory, said Lily, and she sounded cold. Why are you so obsessed with them anyway? Why do you care what they're doing at night? I'm just trying to show you that they're not as wonderful as everyone seems to think they are. The intensity of his gaze made her blush. They don't use dark magic, though. She dropped her voice. And you're being really ungrateful. I heard what happened the other night. You went sneaking down that tunnel by the Whomping Willow and James Potter saved you from whatever's down there. Snape's whole face contorted and he spluttered. Saved? 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 You think he was playing the hero? He was shaving his neck and his friends too. Saving his neck. Not shaving. We're not shaving yet. We're not that old. He was shaving, saving his neck and his friends too. You are not going. I won't let you. Let me? Let me? Lily's bright green eyes were slits. Snape backtracked at once. I didn't mean... I just don't want you to see see you made a fool of. He fancies you, James Potter. He fancies you. The words seemed wrenched from him against his will. And he's not... Everyone thinks... You know, a big Quidditch hero. Snape's bitterness and dislike were rendering him incoherent, and Lily's eyebrows were traveling farther and farther up her forehead. I know James Potter's an arrogant toe rag, she said, cutting across Snape. I don't need you to tell me that. But Mulsiver's and Avery's idea of humor is just evil. Evil, Sev. I don't understand how you can be friends with them. Harry doubted that Snape had even heard her strictures on Mulsiver and Avery. The moment she had insulted James Potter, his whole body had relaxed. And as they walked away, there was a new spring in Snape's step. Oh, yeah. And the scene dissolved. Harry watched again as Snape left the Great Hall after sitting his OWL in Defense Against the Dark Arts, watched as he wandered away from the castle and strayed inadvertently close to the place beneath the beech tree where James, Sirius, Lupin, and Pettigrew sat together. But Harry kept his distance this time, because he knew what happened after James had hoisted Severus into the air and taunted him. He knew what had been done and said, and it gave him no pleasure to hear it again. He watched as Lily joined the group, and went to Snape's defense. Distantly, he heard Snape shout at her in his humiliation, and his fury, the unforgivable word. Mudblood. The scene changed. I'm sorry. I'm not interested. I'm sorry. Save your breath. It was nighttime. Lily, who was wearing a dressing gown, stood with her arms folded in front of the portrait of the fat lady at the entrance to Gryffindor Tower. I only came out because Mary told me you were threatening to sleep here. I was. I would have done. It's a weird way to say that. I never meant to call you Mudblood. It just... Slipped out? 
There was no pity in Lily's voice. It's too late. I've made excuses for you for years. None of my friends can understand why I even talk to you. You and your precious little Death Eater friends. You see, you don't even deny it. You don't even deny that that's what you're aiming to be. You can't wait to join you-know-who, can you? He opened his mouth, but closed it without speaking. You can't pretend anymore. You've chosen your way, and I've chosen mine. No, listen, I didn't mean... To call me a mudblood? But you call every one of my birth mudblood, Severus. Why should I be any different? He struggled on the verge of speech, but with a contemptuous look, she turned and climbed back through the portrait hole. Uh Uh-oh, trouble in paradise. So is he actually racist, or... Is that just maybe what he heard from his parents, and he can't really decide where he's at? Because we've caught him a couple times almost saying it, right? Like, it's it's almost slipped out. Well, he well, he was about to call Petunia a muggle. It's like, oh, like, who yeah. cares if she can't get in? Who cares if she's mad? She's just a muggle. Yeah. Which would have been mean, but it's not like a racial epithet. Yeah. I guess that's different, yeah. I mean, at this point, he's 15. He's oh, so her. should my Snape voice be, like, more low and drawn out and boring? When does he turn into that? <laughs> that's, that's a, you've got creative license with that one. Okay. So I think as a 15-year-old, I mean, yeah, like, you're still just 15, like, you're not an adult, but he's actively hanging around with these other guys, and they're all going to become Death Eaters, and they know what they're getting into with that. You know, yeah. And she says, "You, you all, you don't even deny it." And he doesn't. I mean, he, he's like, "Yeah, that's it's true." Basically, he doesn't say it, but he doesn't not say it. Yeah. So it's hard to make an excuse. Yeah. So he was he was already kind of an on edge kid, and then got in with the wrong crowd. Yeah. Even though you might have thought, "Oh, well, he's got this one anchor." You know, his friendship with Lily, that might be enough to pull him out. Which is like, I feel like that's a a true story that happens all the time, Mm -hmm. like in real life. There's, that's what scares me most about the idea of being a, like a father is like, to a certain degree, you can only do so much. And then it's like, who are, who are your kids' friends? Yeah. Is that your announcement? No. That's not my. That's not my announcement. <laughs> I was There's like, no "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> no. Um, Sorry. Yikes. False alarm. I was about to throw you guys a baby shower. No, when I think about being a dad, like when I imagine that, it's like you really are so influenced by who you grow up with and around, or who you choose to be around. I guess so. But then also, like, it can be spun around the other way. Like, because of how you grew up, you decided to not do that and not repeat that story. Yeah. No, that's not uh, – there's there's not an absence of influence from, like, the home. Obviously, the home sets the foundation, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't know. Here I am talking like I understand how childhood works and how – you were a child in, once. Yeah. I mean, I like to think my parents influenced the type of people I wanted to be around, right? And so, but that's what's so confusing about this situation is like Snape had that anchor, so why is he choosing to be around those types of kids, Death Eater kids, you know? 
Yeah, I don't know entirely why he was like, oh, I hope I'm in Slytherin, like from the get-go. Yeah, yeah that's weird. Where was his mom? It, it, it must. I'm assuming it was Slytherin. I don't know why else he would have that. Yeah. Yeah, like mom and grandpa. Yeah. Like, I mean, just like this is family that I can hold on yeah. to. And we know he's got issues with his dad and like fighting with his mom. Um, so the muggle, you know, he's half muggle, but that's the part of him that he's frustrated with is his dad's resentment about his mom having magic and that kind of stuff. And part of Slytherin, the whole thing is, I mean, why, why become a death eater? It's you're either just racism is part of your identity or you want power, right? I mean, you, you want proximity to Voldemort, which is going to give you power and control over your life. Something that Snape didn't have for for his first 10 years where he was just my little dude that got made fun of because he couldn't even wear normal clothes. Right. Yeah, I I don't know. It's at this point, even though he's making really bad decisions, like I feel bad for Snape, (laughs) which is weird because you spend most of the time hating him throughout the first few books, you know? Yeah. What'd you say, Rachel? I said, "Mm -hmm." Uh, I thought you were like, "Eh." no, I mean like, honestly, Alan, (laughs) I kind of loved him. (laughs) Come on. So that's what that's what this is is a justification for like he's like I know it was a jerk but like this is why yeah it's th- I don't know maybe this is a lot of the character development I've been asking for uh, fine okay we'll do like one chapter at the end <laughs> yeah it's gonna we'll do a bunch of different we'll, we'll dissolve a lot since we killed him I guess we can take a look into his childhood real quick yeah. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. 676. Why should I be any different? He struggled on the verge of speech. The corridor dissolved, and the scene took a little longer to reform. Harry seemed to fly through shifting shapes and colors until his surroundings solidified again, and he stood on a hilltop, forlorn and cold in the darkness, the wind whistling through the branches of a few leafless trees. The adult Snape was panting, turning on the spot, his wand gripped tightly in his hand, waiting for something, or for someone. His fear infected Harry, too, even though he knew that he could not be harmed, and he looked over his shoulder, wondering what it was that Snape was waiting for. Then a blinding, jagged jet of white light flew through the air. Harry thought of lightning, but Snape had dropped to his knees, and his wand had flown out of his hand. Don't kill me! That was not my intention. Any sound of Dumbledore apparating had been drowned by the sound of the wind in the branches. He stood before Snape with the robes whipping around him, and his face was illuminated from below in the light cast by his wand. Well, Severus, what message does Lord Voldemort have for me? No, no message. I'm here on my own account. Snape was wringing his hands. He looked a little mad with his straggling black hair flying around him. Okay, I gotta get into my adult Snape voice. Let me try. I I come with a warning. No, a request, please. Dumbledore flicked his wand. Though leaves and branches still flew through the night air around them, silence fell on the spot where he and Snape faced each other. What request could a Death Eater make of me? The the prophecy, the prediction, Trelawney. Ah, yes, said Dumbledore. 
How much did you relate to Lord Voldemort? Everything. Everything I heard, said Snape. That is why it is for that reason he thinks it means Lily Evans. The prophecy did not refer to a woman, said Dumbledore. It spoke of a boy born at the end of July. You know what I mean. He thinks it means her son. He is going to hunt her down, kill them all. If she means so much to you, said Dumbledore, surely Lord Voldemort will spare her. Could you not ask for mercy for the mother in exchange for the son? I have. I have asked him. You disgust me, said Dumbledore, and Harry had never heard so much contempt in his voice. Snape seemed to shrink a little. You do not care, then, about the deaths of her husband and child. They can die as long as you have what you want. Snape said nothing, but merely looked up at Dumbledore. This is my, like, authoritarian, like, strong-voiced Dumbledore still. He's not old yet, I guess. Hide them all, then. He croaked. Keep her. Them safe. Please. And what will you give me in return, Severus? In in return? Snape gaped at Dumbledore, and Harry expected him to protest, but after a long moment, he said, Anything. The hilltop faded, and Harry stood in Dumbledore's office, and something was making a terrible sound, like a wounded animal. Snape was slumped forward in a chair, and Dumbledore was standing over him, looking grim. After a moment or two, Snape raised his face, and he looked like a man who had lived a hundred years of misery since leaving the winded hilltop. I thought you were going to keep her safe. She and James put their faith in the wrong person, said Dumbledore. Rather like you, Severus. Weren't you hoping the Lord Voldemort would spare her? Snape's breathing was shallow. Her boy survives, said Dumbledore. With a tiny jerk of the head, Snape seemed to flick off an irksome fly. Her son lives. He has her eyes, precisely her eyes. You remember the shape and color of Lily Evans' eyes, I am sure? Don't! bellowed Snape. Gone. Dead. Is this remorse, Severus? I wish... I wish I were dead. And what use would that be to anyone, said Dumbledore coldly. If you loved Lily Evans, if you truly loved her, then your way forward is clear. Snape seemed to peer through a haze of pain, and Dumbledore's words appeared to take a long time to reach him. What? What do you mean? You know how and why she died. Make sure it was not in vain. Help me protect Lily's son. He does not need protection. The Dark Lord has gone. The Dark Lord will return, and Harry Potter will be in terrible danger when he does. There was a long pause, and slowly Snape regained control of himself, mastered his own breathing. At last, he said, Uh, sorry. Very well. Very well. But never, never tell Dumbledore. Never tell Dumbledore. said that wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell him. This must be between us. Swear it. I cannot bear, especially Potter's son. I want your word. My word, Severus, that I shall never reveal the best of you. Dumbledore sighed, looking down into Snape's ferocious, anguished face. If you insist. The office dissolved, but reformed instantly. Snape was pacing up and down in front of Dumbledore. 
Mediocre, arrogant as his father, a determined rule breaker, delighted to find himself famous, attention seeking, and impertinent. I was hoping you're just going to keep going up. Attention seeking, impertinent! <laughs> Chicanerous and deplorable. <laughs> you see what you expect to see, Severus, said Dumbledore, without raising his eyes from a copy of Transfiguration today. Other teachers report that the boy is modest, likable, and reasonably talented. Personally, I find him an engaging child. Dumbledore turned a page and said, without looking up, Keep an eye on Quirrell, will you? A whirl of color, and now everything darkened, and Snape and Dumbledore stood a little apart in the entrance hall, while the last stragglers from the Yule Ball passed them on their way to bed. Well, murmured Dumbledore. Karkaroff's mark is becoming darker, too. He is panicking. He fears retribution. You know how much help he gave the Ministry after the Dark Lord fell. Snape looked sideways at Dumbledore's crooked-nosed profile. Karkaroff intends to flee if the mark burns. Does he? Said Snape, said Dumbledore softly, as Fleur Delacour and Roger Davies came giggling in from the grounds. And are you tempted to join him? No, said Snape, his black eyes on Fleur's and Roger's retreating figures. I am not such a coward. No said Dumbledore. Agreed, Dumbledore. You are a braver man by far than Igor Kakaroff. You know, I sometimes think we sort too soon. He walked away, leaving Snape looking stricken. Like, that's the worst thing you could say to Snape, is that he could have been a Gryffindor. <laughs> okay, is this a pausing point? How I need to understand what just happened. Yeah, for sure. I, let's, let's, go, let's go through it. So... Uh, Dumbledore yeah like apparates to see Snape and like makes Snape think he's there to kill him I don't understand how we got there why we're there so there's no we don't have any details about that but the what seems like it happened is that this happens sometimes Voldemort needs to send a message to like team Dumbledore and so he'll send somebody like Snape so there must have been some kind of message relayed like hey we need to meet up here so I can pass a message along Okay, but at this point, is Snape a devout Death Eater? Yes. So, But he's still communicating with Dumbledore. Yeah, in secret, behind Voldemort's back. Oh, okay. And so that's All why right. Dumbledore is like, why are you here talking to me, if not just to give me you know, a message from Voldemort? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And that's when Snape is begging for Lily's protection, mm-hmm. but Dumbledore's like... She's gonna die. Help me, help me protect his son, her son. That's in the next that was one. After, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like, hey, protector, and so then Dumbles and like Peter Pettigrew and Severus, they like put up all those enchantments, and then it didn't matter mm. because of Peter. And then afterwards, it was Snape crying, like, "What the heck, dude?" Yeah. Okay. So Snape has probably harbored resentment then for all those years. That's probably why he killed Dumbledore, because he, he unsuccessfully ever, defended her. Yeah, he could never reconcile the fact that, like, he like in Snape's mind, Dumbledore let Lily die. Mm-hmm. Like he was more concerned with the boy, I guess. Yeah. So he's like and doing the double agent thing, but he's like, you know, if it if it comes down to it, he gets the opportunity. He's like, okay, I'm just going to kill him. Yeah. What's your head with Snape with this? 
Say that again. What's your headspace with Snape with all this? Very torn. Very torn. Because it's like Snape, like a small percentage of Snape is good and wants to be good Mm. and has capacity to love and really, really (laughs) deeply cares for Lily. And I feel like we're almost meant to read it as like Snape could be good for, for Lily Mm -hmm. or like a small part of him wants to be good for Lily. And so then when Lily is killed, that's probably what really twists the knife as far as like, I hate Harry. I hate James. I hate Voldemort killed Lily. Yeah, yeah, that's what's the... (laughs) It's so complex. Because he swore allegiance to Voldemort. And I don't think he probably even knows why. Yeah, I mean, it's like we talked about um, power and... It's like the two people that he put his trust in, Voldemort and Dumbledore, in a weird way both let him down in different Mm -hmm. ways. Mm -hmm. And that's probably, that probably brings up so much trauma from his childhood because I would imagine it's the same feelings he had as a kid, his parents letting him down, right? Classic Harry Potter being all about father figures. Yeah. Which like all literature is really. Yeah. Yeah. I have yeah, a question for Rogi, mm. just because I noticed it. So, like, Harry's parents were married, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, there's a picture of the wedding where Sirius is the best man. They only refer to her as Lily Evans. Snape only refers to her as Lily Evans, yes. Um, because, oh, I thought Dumbledore did, too. I mean, if he did, then it's just like, you know, Snape setting the term of those engagements. And Dumbledore's like, okay, if that's what we're calling her, you know, if that's what you need to think about in order to, like, be a good person is you need to pretend like she never got married. Yeah, you remember the shape and color of Lily Evans' eyes, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay, that's all. Yes, but yeah, they were married. Okay. And I don't know of anything that would seem to say that she did not take the name Potter. So we'll keep reading here on page 681. Nope. 680. Okay, so Snape is mad that Dumbledore called him a Gryffindor. Called him brave. And now Harry stood in the headmaster's office yet again, as he is wont to do. It was nighttime, and Dumbledore sagged sideways in the throne-like chair behind the desk, apparently semi-conscious. His right hand dangled over the side, blackened and burned. Snape was muttering incantations, pointing his wand at the wrist of the hand. While with his left hand, he tipped a goblet full of thick, golden potion down Dumbledore's throat. After a moment or two, Dumbledore's eyelids fluttered and opened. Why? said Snape without preamble. Why did you put on that ring? It carries a curse. Surely you realize that. Why even touch it? Marvolo Gaunt's ring lay on the desk before Dumbledore. It was cracked. The sword of Gryffindor lay beside it. Dumbledore grimaced. 
I, I was a fool, sorely tempted. Tempted by what? Dumbledore did not answer. It is a miracle you managed to return here. Snape sounded furious. That ring carried a curse of extraordinary power. To contain it is all we can hope for. I have trapped the curse in one hand for the time being. Dumbledore raised his blackened, useless hand and examined it with the expression of one being shown an interesting curio. You have done very well, Severus. How long do you think I have? Dumbledore's tone was conversational. He might have been asking for a weather forecast. Snape hesitated and then said, I cannot tell. Maybe a year. There is no halting such a spell forever. It will spread eventually. It is the sort of curse that strengthens over time. Dumbledore smiled. The news that he he had... hmm? So he killed him to put him out of his misery. The news that he had less than a year to live seemed a matter of little or no concern to him. I am fortunate, extremely fortunate, that I have you, Severus. If you had only summoned me a little earlier, I might have been able to do more, buy you more time, said Snape furiously. He looked down at the broken ring and the sword. Did you think that breaking the ring would break the curse? Something like that. I was delirious, no doubt, said Dumbledore. With an effort, he straightened himself in his chair. Well, really, this makes matters much more straightforward. Snape looked utterly perplexed. Dumbledore smiled. I refer to the plan Lord Voldemort is revolving around me. He plans to have the poor Malfoy boy murder me. Snape sat down in the chair Harry had so often occupied, across the desk from Dumbledore. Harry could tell that he wanted to say more on the subject of Dumbledore's cursed hand, but the other held up in polite refusal to discuss the matter further. Scowling, Snape said, The Dark Lord does not expect Draco to succeed. This is merely punishment for Lucius's uh, recent failures. Slow torture for Draco's parents while they watch him fail and pay the price. In short, the boy has a death sentence pronounced upon him as surely as I have, said Dumbledore. Now, I should have thought the natural successor to the job, once Draco fails, is yourself? There was a short pause. Sorry, Hannah was calling. I was telling her. Wow. Can't Shove talk. Off. Potting. Uh, there was a short pause, a third of the way down the page. That, I think, is the Dark Lord's plan. Lord Voldemort foresees a moment in the near future <laughs> when he will not need a spy at Hogwarts? He believes the school will soon be in his grasp, yes. And if it does fall into his grasp, said Dumbledore, almost, it seemed, as an aside... I have your word that you will do all in your power to protect the students of Hogwarts? Snape gave a stiff nod. Good. Now then, your first priority will be to discover what Draco is up to. A frightened teenage boy is a danger to others as well as to himself. Offer for him help and guidance. He ought to accept he likes you. Much less since his father has lost favor. Draco blames me. He thinks I have usurped. Lucius's position. All the same, try. I am concerned less for myself than for accidental victims of whatever schemes might occur to the boy. Ultimately, of course, there is only one thing to be done if we are to save him from Lord Voldemort's wrath. Snape raised his eyebrows, and his tone was sardonic as he asked, Are you intending to let him kill you? Certainly not. You must kill me. There was a long silence, broken only by an odd clicking noise. Fox the Phoenix was gnawing a bit of cuddlebone. 
Would you like me to do it now? <laughs> Asked Snape, his voice heavy with irony. Or would you like a few moments to compose an epitaph? Oh, not quite yet, said Dumbledore, smiling. I dare say the moment will present itself in due course. Given what has happened tonight, he indicated his withered hand, we can be sure that it will happen within a year. If you don't mind dying, said Snape roughly, why not let Draco do it? The boy's soul is not yet so damaged, said Dumbledore. I would not have it ripped apart on my account. And my soul, Dumbledore, mine? You alone know whether it will harm your soul to help an old man avoid pain and humiliation, said Dumbledore. I ask this one great favor of you, Severus, because death is coming for me as surely as the Chudley Cannons will finish bottom of this year's league. I can... (laughs) As surely as the Pacers will never have a top five draft pick. I confess I should prefer a quick, painless exit to the protracted and messy affair it will be if, for instance, Greyback is involved. I hear Voldemort has recruited him. Or dear Bellatrix, who likes to play with her food before she eats it. His tone was light, but his blue eyes pierced Snape as they had frequently pierced Harry, as though the soul they discussed was visible to him. At last, Snape gave another curt nod. Dumbledore seemed satisfied. Thank you, Severus. So, yeah, seems like uh, he's going to get put out of his misery. Yeah. There's a planned thing. (sighs) Dang. Dang what? Why dang? Because we still don't know where his allegiance is. Like, he's going to help Dumbledore out in this, but, like, I don't know. He's He's still a double agent. He's still kind of helping the Voldemort cause to an extent, right? Yeah, he would argue that he's a triple agent. And so he has to keep up appearances with Team Voldemort so that he can stay getting information for them and stay in power and stuff like that, stay in their favor. So we're supposed to believe at this point as the reader that he is more so on the good side than the bad side? We are supposed to believe that Dumbledore believes that. Okay. All right. Onward. The office disappeared, and now Snape and Dumbledore were strolling through the, strolling together in the deserted castle grounds by twilight. What are you doing with Potter? All those evenings you are closeted together. Snape asked abruptly. Dumbledore looked weary. Why? You aren't trying to give him more detentions, Severus. The boy will soon have spent more time in detention than out. He is his father over again. In looks, perhaps, but with his deepest nature is much more like his mother's. I spend time with Harry because I have things to discuss with him. Information I must give him before it is too late. Information, repeated Snape. You trust him. You do not trust me. It is not a question of trust. I have, as we both know, limited time. It is essential that I give the boy enough information for him to do what he needs to do. And why may I not have the same information? I prefer not to put all of my secrets in one basket, particularly not a basket that spends so much time dangling on the arm of Lord Voldemort. Which I do on your orders. And you do it extremely well. Do not think that I underestimate the constant danger in which you place yourself, Severus. 
To give Voldemort what appears to be valuable information while withholding the essentials is a job I would entrust to nobody but you. Yet you confide much more in a boy who is incapable of occlumency, whose magic is mediocre, and who has a direct connection into the Dark Lord's mind. Voldemort fears that connection, said Dumbledore. Not so long ago he had one small taste of what truly sharing Harry's mind means to him. It was pain such as he had never experienced. He will not try to possess Harry again. I am sure of it. Not in that way. I don't understand. <laughs> Lord Voldemort's soul, maimed as it is, cannot bear close contact with a soul like Harry's. Like a tongue on frozen steel, like flesh on flames. Souls? We were talking of minds. In the case of Harry and Lord Voldemort, to speak of one is to speak of the other. Dumbledore glanced around to make sure they were alone. They were close by the Forbidden Forest now, but there was no sign of anyone near them. So, uh, after you've killed me, Severus... (laughs) You refuse to tell me everything, yet you expect the small service of me. Snarled Snape, and real anger flared in the thin face now. You take a great deal for granted, Dumbledore. Perhaps I have changed my mind. You gave me your word, Severus. And while we are talking about services you owe me, I thought you agreed to keep a close eye on our young Slytherin friend. Snape looked angry, mutinous. Dumbledore sighed. Come to my office tonight, Severus, at eleven, and you shall not complain that I have no confidence in you. They were back in Dumbledore's office. The windows dark, and Fox sat silently as Snape sat quite still as Dumbledore walked around him, talking. Harry, Harry must not know, not until the last moment, not until it is necessary. Otherwise, how could he have the strength to do what must be done? But what must he do? That is between Harry and me. Now listen closely, Severus. There will be a time after my death. Do not argue. Do not interrupt. There will be a time when Lord Voldemort will seem to fear for the life of his snake. For Nagini? Snape looked astonished. Precisely. If there comes a time when Voldemort stops sending that snake forth to do his bidding, but keeps it safe beside him under magical protection, then I think it will be safe to tell Harry. To tell him what? Dumbledore took a deep breath and closed his eyes. Tell him that on the night Lord Voldemort tried to kill him, when Lily cast her own life between them as a shield, the killing curse rebounded upon Voldemort, and a fragment of Voldemort's soul was blasted apart from the hole, and latched itself onto the only living soul left in that collapsing building. Part of Voldemort lives inside Harry, and it is that which gives him the power of speech with snakes, and a connection with Lord Voldemort's mind that he has never understood. And while that fragment of soul, unmissed by Voldemort, remains attached to and protected by Harry, Lord Voldemort cannot die. So what's he describing there? A fragment of soul attached to something inside Harry is a horcrux. Which you... Predicted. Like half a book ago. It's Brayden 1, JKR 432. (laughs) Uh, Wow. Okay. So Voldemort tried to kill Lily. It Uh reflected off of her, landed inside Harry. Yeah. Harry. So 
So as long as Harry is... Okay, hold on. Let me read that again. And while that fragment of soul, unmissed by Voldemort, remains attached to and protected by Harry, Lord, Lord Voldemort cannot die. Need so by killing label, Harry, the other survives. Okay. All right. By killing Harry, he would also kill the kill fragment of soul. He would kill that Horcrux. So... Okay, so that's why it's even more important that, like, Harry kills all the other Horcruxes. Yeah, gotta tie it up in a neat little bow. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So if Voldemort, if Voldemort doesn't know... He has not heard. Like, let's say that he doesn't, uh, that, that Harry does kill all the Horcruxes, but Voldemort doesn't know that first, like, somehow, which I, I think he would, but... He's keeping track and at then, this point. And then he kills Harry, then uh-huh. he would kill himself, right? There's still a piece of soul left inside Voldemort. So oh, all of his okay. Horcruxes would be dead, and he would still be there, being Voldemort, but he would have no more protection. Then if someone cast the killing curse on him, he would actually just die. So, for Voldemort to be finally defeated, Harry has to die. Yeah. Harry seemed to be watching the two men from one end of a long tunnel. They were so far away from him, their voices echoing strangely in his ears. So, the boy, the boy must die, asked Snape quite calmly. And Voldemort himself must do it, Severus. That is essential. Another long silence. Then Snape said, I thought all these years that we were protecting him for her, for Lily. We have protected him because it has been essential. Uh, You say that, not me. We have protected him because it has been essential to teach him, to raise him, to let him try his strength, said Dumbledore, his eyes still tight shut. Meanwhile, the connection between them grows ever stronger, a parasitic growth. Sometimes I have thought he suspects it himself. If I know him, he will have arranged matters so that when he sets out to meet his death, it will truly mean the end of Voldemort. Dumbledore opened his eyes. Snape looked horrified. You have kept him alive so that he can die at the right moment. Don't be shocked, Severus. How many men and women have you watched die? Lately, only those whom I could not save, said Snape. He stood up. You have used me. Meaning? I have spied for you and lied for you and put I've myself died for you. In- I've cooked pies for you. <laughs> <laughs> I put myself in mortal danger for you. Everything was supposed to be kept nearly part of Sunset. Uh, everything was supposed to be to keep <laughs> Lily Potter's son safe. Now you tell me you have been raising him like a pig for slaughter. Oh, but this is touching, Severus, said Dumbledore seriously. Have you grown to care for the boy after all? For him? Shouted Snape. Expecto Patronum! From the tip of his wand burst the silver doe. Yo, it was Snape in the woods. She landed on the office floor, bounded once around the office, and soared out of the window. 
Dumbledore watched her fly away, and as his silvery glow faded, he turned back to Snape, and his eyes were full of tears. After all this time. Always, said Snape. Is he asking him there? So you're still just madly in love with the dead Lily Potter? Your Patronus has never changed. It's the same as what Lily's was, because it's like James was a stag and Lily was the doe. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Where are you at? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't like I don't like Dumbledore right now. Why not? Rachel, are you are you here? You're listening to this? Yeah. I'm really excited about it. I'm here for it. I mean, I guess I don't maybe there's not another option which makes it hard, really hard, but he did like like Snape's right. Like he was like raising him like livestock to be slaughtered at the right time. Yeah. It's I kind mean, of sickening. Like I understand that it is truly the only way Voldemort could be ended. And so it's, I guess it's the greater good, but like classic, it's kind of disturbing. It really, you can't look at Dumbledore the same after this. So just because he knew that it's what needed to happen, it puts him in the wrong. It's, it's how the, Dumbledore felt it needed to be. Oh, happened, I'm sorry. I'm how sorry. It, how would you have done it? I don't know. One of any other ways. By all means, I got all day. It's Friday <laughs> so night. Is this, we is discussed. This we don't have to work tomorrow. Is this admitting that Dumbledore is weaker than Vo- Voldemort? I mean, he has. Are we accepting that fact? A weaker in what way? Like magically? Yeah. Like, is there no way that Dumbledore himself, with the help of Harry, with the help of Snape, can track down all the Horcruxes, destroy them, and then destroy Voldemort? Yes. Not before he dies. His hand got all effed up. I don't know. We found quite a few in less than a year in the last few chapters. Yeah. Yeah. Like two or three, right? Two? We found the cup and the locket the and the diadem. We found three. All in this book? Mm-hmm. This has been less than a year. Yeah. You can't tell me that if Dumbledore hadn't have like enlisted literally anyone else on this plan, like McGonagall or do, do, Mad-Eye Moody, mm-hmm. to come in and help him do this, that they couldn't have just taken care of it. They had all that time while Dumbledore was dead where they could have like really figured it out and like, okay, we've got Harry here. Like if we have to do this, we can, but like what is literally any other option? Well, the a problem is the need for secrecy because the entire plan is absolutely screwed the minute that Voldemort knows they're going after Horcruxes. Because I mean, well, he was dead or he wasn't around for a while. Voldemort. Why didn't they start looking for Horcruxes then? You're talking about when Voldemort, like, between the murder of the Potters and the first book? Yeah. During the 80s? So it wasn't until after the second book when Harry was like, when Harry told Voldemort about the diary, that's when Dumbledore was like, oh, that kind of sounds like a freaking Horcrux. 
is Dumbledore is Voldemort making Horcruxes? So that's when he started looking into everything and doing like the background research. But like I said, if anything gets back to Voldemort about that, then the it's all screwed. Because McGonagall would have gotten that back to Voldemort. She's got a big Scottish mouth. No, no, I. Well, yeah, okay. Like I'm not saying it's not a character flaw. His. I mean, which one is it? Is he too trusting? Everyone always says Voldemort's too, Dumbledore's too trusting, but then he's not trusting enough. He keeps secrets, secrets and lies. That's how we grew up. Albus, he was a natural. No, I just, that's, that's one of my big things about Dumbledore is I cannot handle how he chooses when to inform people about things and when not to. And you think he should have told Harry earlier that he had to be killed by Voldemort in order for this to go through? I'm not saying that. I'm saying that I think that there should have been other people involved in more of the decision-making rather than him. I don't, have a, I don't have an argument against that one. I think that... I think that more help could have been employed in the hunt for Horcruxes. I'm not saying that in the end, Harry doesn't have to die. That may just be the hard truth. But, yeah, I will agree with Rachel in that, you know, and, like, I know you were going through the timeline, and there wasn't a lot of time to find and and destroy all the Horcruxes. Yeah, it's been about five years. But, yeah, I mean, I feel like five years, like like Rachel was saying, you get Mad-Eye Moody out there, you get Lupin out there, like, start hunting, you know, kind of, disperse and destroy mission here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that you had to focus a lot of effort on trying to protect Harry, but how good was that anyways? Did that really work out? Hindsight. I mean, you guys barely got out of his house and then you were all attacked in the air. And there was constantly people in Hogwarts trying to kill him like actively. Yeah. yeah so that's what I'm saying is that the only reason they didn't a lot of those times is because Dumbledore showed up. I mean, if he'd been out hunting Horcruxes, which he spent most of the sixth year doing, I mean, he did. No, he I'm, really I'm was not, out. I'm not saying Dumbledore should be out there hunting. I'm saying he had enough on the home team yeah. to, to say, guys, here's your focus. Like, here's why you live right now. This is the for this is how we save wizarding humanity. And it's, it's a struggle for Dumbledore to trust that he can really impart all of that to Mad-Eye Moody. Because I mean, think about how he went through about it with Harry. He like, they went through, they talk about for him. It's not about mission, go accomplish it. It's like, let's do all the background. Like you got to really understand Voldemort. You got to think how he thinks. And Moody's a man of action, you know? Like, is he going to sit down and do all the homework and do the reading and go through the memories and kind of get into the brain of Voldemort? He didn't use his community resources. He mm. didn't bring in his informal supports. Or like, his formal supports. He just said that this is what we're going to do, and he did it on his timeline. And I think that people died that didn't have to because of it. Well, we've got another uh, page and a half to read here, guys. Let's do it. Let's see if anything changes. Actually, two and a half pages. Two and a little bit of pages. Some pages. And the scene shifted. Now, Harry saw Snape talking to the portrait of Dumbledore behind his desk. You will will have have to give Voldemort the correct date (laughs) of Harry's departure from his aunt and uncle's, said Dumbledore. Not to do so will raise suspicion when Voldemort believes you so well informed. 
However, you must plant the idea of decoys. That, I think, ought to ensure Harry's safety and Mad-Eye Moody's. <sighs> Try confunding Mundungus Fletcher. And, Severus, if you are forced to take part in the chase, be sure to act your part convincingly. I am counting upon you to remain in Lord Voldemort's good books as long as possible, or Hogwarts will be left to the mercy of the Carrows. Now, Snape was head-to-head with Mundungus in an unfamiliar tavern, Mundungus's head looking, face looking curiously blank, Snape frowning in concentration. You will suggest to the Order of the Phoenix, Snape murmured, that they use decoys, polyjuice potion, identical potters. It is the only thing that might work. You will forget that I have suggested this. You will present it as your own idea. Do you understand? I understand, murmured Mundungus, his eyes unfocused. Now Harry, now Harry was flying alongside Snape on a broomstick through a dark, clear night. He was accompanied by other hooded Death Eaters, and ahead were Lupin, and a Harry, who was really George, whatever, a Death Eater moved ahead of Snape and raised his wand, pointing it directly at Lupin's back. Sectumsempra! shouted Snape. But the spell, intended for the Death Eater's wand hand, missed and hit George instead. And next, Snape was kneeling in Sirius's old bedroom. Tears were dripping from the end of his hooked nose as he read the old letter from Lily. The second page carried only a few words. Could ever have been friends with Gertel Ginderwald. <laughs> I think her mind's gone. Going. Personally. Lots of love, Lily. Snape took the page bearing <laughs> Lily's signature and her love and tucked it inside his robes. Then he ripped into the photograph he was also holding so that he kept the part from which Lily laughed, throwing the portion showing James and Harry back onto the floor, stomped <laughs> upon it, and then peed on it under a chest of drawers. And now Snape stood again in the headmaster's office as Phineas Nigellus came hurrying into his portrait. Headmaster, they are camping in the forests of Dean. The mudblood... Do not use that word. Okay. The Granger blood girl then mentioned the place as she opened her bag and I heard her. Good. Very good. Good. Very good. Cried the portrait of Dumbledore behind the headmaster's chair. Now, Severus the sword, do not forget that it must be taken under conditions of need and valor. And, And he must not know that I'm Dumbledore. It's Dumbledore voice. He must not know that you give it. If Voldemort should read Harry's mind and see you acting for him. I know, said Snape curtly. (laughs) He approached the portrait of Dumbledore and pulled at its side. It swung forward, revealing a hidden cavity behind it, from which he took the sword of Gryffindor. And you still aren't going to tell me why it's so important to give part of the sword, said Snape as he swung a traveling cloak over his robes. No, I don't think so, said Dumbledore's portrait. He will know what to do with it. And Severus, be very careful. They may not take kindly to your appearance after George Weasley's mishap. Snape turned at the door. Don't worry, Dumbledore, he said coolly. I have a plan. And Snape left the room. Harry rose up out of the pensive, and moments later, he lay on the carpeted floor in exactly the same room. Snape might have just closed the door. Wowzers. Wowzers indeed. 
I have a strange knot in my stomach that is the result of thinking Snape might have become one of my favorite characters. <laughs> so this chapter and was about I'd... Snape having a crush on Lily, and then it was about Snape hating James, and then it was about him serving Dumbledore, and then it was about Dumbledore. Yeah, I feel weird. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know how to process this. I don't I still don't like Dumbledore right now. Because he Because he's doing what he has to do. He was too secretive. Ooh. Bwah, 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 bwah. Beef. Yeah, I just, I don't know, man. I know he did what he had to like Neither can live while the other survives. Mm. And that's the fact. But man, it feels like, as we talked about at length just a minute ago, that there were other options. Not other options, but like things to check off the list of like, well, what if we, what if we did hunt down all the Horcruxes together could that could that open up another door another way you know it was just like it felt like Dumbledore just decided like okay this is how it has to happen like we have to basically lead Harry to death well Harry has to die but the process to get up to it could have played out differently yeah I mean yeah I guess it doesn't change the fact though that like as long as Harry lives so does Voldemort Mm mm-hmm so you want to make sure you've got all... You want to make sure that the last Horcrux you kill. But if somehow you were by miracle able to kill Voldemort and it's just Harry living with the shrivel of Voldemort's soul inside him... Then we restart the cycle. Now Voldemort is just a cloud just like he was before, during the first and second books and third books. He doesn't have a body yet. But how? How does that... Well, you, he's inside Harry. He has no, he part of his soul is inside Harry. He has a Horcrux that still exists in the world. Okay, but how does that provide an avenue? And I'm not challenging you. Obviously, you know. I'm just I'm angry and confused. How yeah. does that give him an avenue? Then, like I don't understand how this all started. Yeah. If if Voldemort lives inside Harry, mm-hmm. like like let's presume that's how, that's what happened. There's we killed Horcrux. Voldemort, yeah. and now there's just a Horcrux that is Harry. Uh-huh. How how does it become Harry's a Horcrux, but now Voldemort can somehow mm-hmm. change from cloud form to little weird worm alien form? Yeah, um, I don't understand. It's I mean we don't have a lot of details on that like magical alchemical process. We know that. Peter Pettigrew, as a rat, went to Albania and found where Cloud Soul Horcrux Voldemort was living in a tree or something in Albania. He went and got him, and then he does magic. He feeds him snake milk. Um, He turns him into a maggot Voldemort, and then he dumps him in chocolate milk using Harry's blood and his father's bone and... Peter Pettigrew's hand. So there are, there's magic that can reincarnate someone that is in a Horcruxed state. Um, 
And yes, then at that point, there is only one remaining Horcrux, but still Harry. Okay. So Dumbledore is more just thinking like, look, the cycle, the cycle is what it is. Yeah. So spin it however you want. Harry's got to die. If Voldemort's going to die, yeah. And if we know Harry, I mean, what's he going to say? Is he going to be like, no, you should let me live for another 20 years. We'll take our no. chances with Mist Voldemort. No, he'll die. Especially knowing that he can put an end to his friends and family dying. Yeah. That's why we saw Remus and Tonks and George's bodies at the beginning of this chapter. It, it brings it yeah. all the way back to that. Yeah. This is deeper than I anticipated. It's turtles all the way down. <laughs> Have you heard that song by Sturgill Simpson? No. Should give that a listen. Yeah. <clears throat> um okay. I don't like this. <laughs> Buckle up for the next couple chaps. Yeah, because now it's just like I'm just waiting for Harry to die. <laughs> I feel like I could have maybe found out this closer to the very end. Hmm. Ugh. Well, if you dislike Voldemort, you are in good company right now. Or not Voldemort, Dumbledore. I do that all the time. Yeah. Because Rachel, yeah. yeah. Dumbledore. Yeah. Okay, well, I... I don't like it, but it is a masterpiece. Like, this is a... uh, And we didn't even talk about all the little things that this drew together. It's like, okay, so Snape told Mundungus this. Oh, and so Snape was behind, you know, watching over that to make sure that Harry was safe. Yep. And and so now you've got me. Now I can call myself a fan. Because it turns out that it really was actually all planned out from the beginning. Yeah, and I love a good story that is just a complete puzzle like mm-hmm. this, and then it just wraps it all up in the end. And you didn't even know it needed it. You didn't even see the puzzle pieces. That's what gaps. I mean. Like, there's little puzzle pieces that I didn't even know I had Yeah, that now fit. And, yeah, okay. All right. I... W- I would pay good money for just a 20-minute thing of you being like, okay, so Hannah, it turns out that some there's a little <laughs> bit of Voldemort is inside Harry and he can't die. And Dumbledore knew. And you know, you remember Snape? You remember freaking, he was good, kind of, but still I am, racist? I am going to tell Hannah, because she's never going to read yeah, this, true. or you know, she'll watch the movies with us, but like... Okay, so maybe I won't tell her until we watch the last movie, but Dumbledore's not who you think he is. He kind of is, but he's kind of not. And There's, Snape's definitely not who you think he is. But in not how you expect. <laughs> yeah. And it's not about, it's not it's not that Dumbledore's evil now. It turns out Dumbledore's evil because it's about intentions. You know, it's about like what, yeah. you know, it's for the greater good. Like it's about what yeah, you're trying no, to do. Dumbledore's not trying to like let Harry die because he just, is some sort of twisted old man yeah. that's like, let's see if he can fend for himself. Yeah. Which is, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe that's why Dumbledore kept himself so like emotionally distant from Harry because he mm-hmm. didn't want to get too wrapped up 
in like kind of loving him as like a grandson. Mm. Except he would give him all of the Hogwarts points at the end of the year. That's not emotional. That's mercenary. That's capitalism. How much money did McGonagall have on Gryffindor to win that year? She had hundreds of galleons. Betting on everything. (laughs) This is headcanon of me, of mine for sure, because of binge mode. Yeah. So I have a couple of do we cares. (laughs) Braden, you've got another 45 minutes, right? (laughs) No, no. Just like Uh, a couple ones to wrap it up and then be done. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, like, how do we care about how um, the memories or how Harry is finding all of this information out? Do we care that it's not coming from a person, but rather coming from Snape's point of view and yeah. everything? I hate that for him because mm. he he's always he's always having to deal with these insanely dramatic revelations by himself while his father figures die around him. Yeah, 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 yeah. He just I had a that. secret father figure. <sighs> yeah. It's it's like it's terrible. This kid has lived a terrible life. Yeah. But he's the star of the sports team. But I also kind of love that he does get to see who Snape really was. Mm, get that backstory, yeah. yeah. And I don't yeah. think this was Snape's plan for how it would go down, you know. No, he probably hoped that no. he was going to get to catch up with him like, okay, let's real quick. No, no, I know I know I'm Snape. I know, no, 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 I get it. I get it. Just just let me let me tell you. Yeah. I mean, because he got a lot out. Like, yeah. I mean, he there were so many memories that they went through. Yeah. And that he was able to see and piece together of. Yeah, and just getting to wrap his head around the concept that Snape did this out of, like, sincere love for his mother. Mm-hmm. That this That's a uh, topic for a post-book pod. Because talk about a divisive statements made in terms of the fandom just the, just the word sincere love i mean you're we're cutting it right down the middle and there's some people that strongly agree with you and some people that do not okay because it's like okay, snape so, was freaking creepy you know like there's a whole side of people uh, that are like love or was it more like a weird possessive crush lust thing or uh, and you don't have to have strong opinions on that this moment but yeah. it is a thing. yeah i understand where you could come from that angle. I don't feel like that having just read it. Right. It's weird, but Snape's weird. Right. Yeah. It's his version of love. (laughs) Yeah, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So, uh, do we care about Snape now? Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Okay. Uh, which is weird. And I don't have more to say because I don't know how Mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's definitely something you're going to have to process through. And I feel like it'll be interesting to hear your thoughts at the beginning of the next podcast. Just of like, okay, thought about it. Here we go. Yeah. may have to take like a a day or two off work to just sit in silence (laughs) and kind of contemplate it all. Just just brushing Cooper. Yeah. (laughs) Sitting in a robe, smoking a pipe. Okay. And then the last one I had was just uh, Dumble's Choices. Like, do we care about oh. how he presented these and, like, what those look like? Yeah, we haven't oh, talked yeah, about think, that. We should probably get yeah. into it. <laughs> yeah, but just yeah like, I think we've uh, displayed the extent of our concern for that. Okay. okay. Which you led the charge on. I feel like you made some very good points that I could, I could definitely jump on board with. 
And I apologize because I I have very strong feelings about Dumbledore and Snape. Yeah, how can you not? You're on the pod, bro. No, don't apologize. Yeah, you can't really read through this whole thing and then get to this part and be like, I don't know. I'm just kind of impartial. (laughs) I think they're both good guys. They're just, as long as everyone has fun. (laughs) That's Madam Hooch, basically. Yeah. I don't think that. Yeah, you gotta have some strong feelings. Yeah, yeah. Dang, pretty crazy. Prince's tale. We remember when we started this chapter, and you were like, "He was a he was a teacher. He was definitely a teacher." (laughs) Um, And there was a book involved. (laughs) I think he taught gym class, maybe (laughs) something like that. It was in it was in another book. It's been a while. <laughs> You've slept since then. No, that was good. Thank you guys for listening, everyone that's made it this far. Uh not not our shortest episode. But not your longest, so <laughs> No, not yet. Uh shout out uh Breeden's mom and sister in law. We're here. Anna's mom. Breeden's m- mom and sister in law. The, there you go. The in-law was outside the parentheses. Oh, my bad. Um, okay. <laughs> shout out for Shadow Pizza and uh, 4612 Crafts for sponsoring this episode. Shout out Rachel for coming up the pod. That's my excitement. That's my <laughs> laughter. The applause button is on the other set of music. Yeah, yeah. So shout out Rachel. Rachel, how did you enjoy? Was this your favorite time coming on the pod? I don't know. There's just been so many good ones. I appreciate your input. Uh, shout out Cooper for being a pretty good boy. Uh, please, by all, please, honestly though, Howlin nine seven eight seven six eight eight three seven zero nine seven eight Potter zero, and we got to get the move the next movie watch planned. So, so true. we got some time. We got some stuff to do. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Rachel, can we get a Henry saying bye? Bye.